Welcome to episode 82 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I'm Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times. As always, here with Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Hoops Report. We are one night away, one sleep from the season starting as we record here on Sunday. Are you excited, Joe? Yeah, 24 hours. We'll be in the gym for the next four months. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, today... Good podcast. We got ready to go for the, right before obviously the season starts here. By the time you listen to this, the season will be in full mode. But we're gonna we're gonna talk some of the uh, some of the questions we'll take from the listeners. We'll do our all state team, our all state teams, Mike and I, and uh, a couple of storylines, a little different take on our two takes that we have kind of grown accustomed to doing each podcast over the years and turn it into two storylines. And uh, Mike, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited because I think it's a little bit different of a season in that. I mean, there's. I mean, I, I know you and I both have young number one, and we believe that you know, pretty full heartedly with, with what's on paper. But they don't ooze this unbeatable type team. Simeon doesn't have this. Oh, there's Simeon. You know, it's just the season where I think a lot of people with big dreams can, can dream pretty big all the way through the end of March. Exactly. Instead of seeing if super teams and super players can live up to the hype, we have to find out who's going to get the hype. We'll see what happens. Um, also wanted to mention, I always kind of forget at the beginning, a little housekeeping. First of all, thank you guys. I had not checked out our iTunes page in a while. I think last time I looked, we were at like 24 reviews. We got 40 now which is quite a jump. So thank you for that. Please take the time to rate us and review us if you do listen on iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher. Again, if you don't see us on your usual podcast app, send me an email, hit me up on Twitter and let me know, and I will try to get us on that service. Thank you so much. And we got some questions this week. It's um, The mailbag is bursting, <laughs> for sure. I'm going to start off here with Danny Greenbergers. He's a... Uh, Newcomer here to the mailbag. Uh, Danny starts off saying some nice things about us, and then here's his first question. Appreciating Simeon's historical success, they have had a few disappointing exits from the state playoffs in recent years, relative to both rankings, but also the quality of their play before the postseason. I believe that you explored the idea midseason that last year's Simeon team may have been Coach Smith's best. To what do you attribute Simeon's disappointing playoff runs of late? Do they run the same offensive schemes and are thus better scouted versus the earlier years of Smith's tenure? Do their transfers, while immensely talented, diminish cohesion that might otherwise build? They have lost to really good teams, like Bennett and Young, but on paper, they have had considerably more talent than their opponents. I don't know if I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, losing to Young last year in a super sectional... I mean, I think everybody probably agrees that, you know, in the Chicago area, they were clearly the two best teams. And they met and played a good game. I think it was a four or five point game. And, you know, I, I mean, last year's team to me was the best team for sure last season that I saw at one point in the season. And that being kind of that christmas time to mid midway point of the season but i think they got away from some things that that had gotten to that gotten to that, that point in the season 
I, I think some a little bit of selfishness crept up a little bit with that Simeon team. Um, I think Taylor Horton Tucker tried to do a little bit too much for that Simeon team in the, in the, in the latter part of the season. And it, it got to be just that. Kind of stand around waiting for Taylor Horton Tucker to do this, do that. And uh, anyway, the long story short, I don't know if they've necessarily underachieved uh, when you consider the teams they've lost to, starting with last year. But uh, I, I don't agree with that being the best Simeon team that I've seen. For yeah, sure. I, I think um, we had probably said it was the best in a while. I, I don't think anybody thought they were better than the Rose Flowers group, you know. No. Maybe at their height, we were trying to compare them and to wonder. So I think that's where that might be coming from. I think I do agree, though, with Danny's kind of thesis there. I mean, I think about that normal, you know, loss. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was, if you want to, that one for sure. But, but, but I'm just saying, like, last year they lost to Young. Were you stunned they lost to Young? A little, yeah. I, I wasn't stunned. Um, uh, the year before, they lost in the state championship game. Yeah, right? I I think I'm, a, so I'm I'm just saying I mean it's hard to pick on pick on a program that's losing and I mean Young's you know I mean? won two state titles since Simeon won one, and I think it is fair to say that the talent has been more on Simeon's side. So yeah. I, so I think that's I think it's worth discussing, and I think one of the issues is the city tournament, where they've won that a few times. And I think that's a problem, frankly. You know, when the city tournament is going on, they want to win it. <laughs> but th- that's just too big of a run. I mean, to have to win, you know, what, I, I, I don't know, it's 10 games, 11 games, whatever it is, in a row against, you know, elimination, high quality. I just think that's really tough. That team that wins the city, it's just so hard to go win state. You know, it just doesn't really happen. So I think that's part of the issue. Whereas Young has not done very well um, in, done very well what? in the city tournament. But I, I mean, I, I have found that different people have different. I mean, I, I'm not saying they don't want to win, but there are certain schools I don't that place bigger importance on different things to me. Yeah, and, oh, definitely. Yeah, and um, to me, young, you know, I going back to, to I I don't see the huge talent difference between young and Simeon that I guess maybe you and some I mean whoever the questioner I say I mean. I mean, Lucas Williamson, Javon Freeman, Xavier Castaneda. I mean, I that state championship team. You know, um, I, I don't know. I I, uh, I I get like Simeon, Simeon. They're preseason number one, and and I guess I expect them to win this and that. Yes, but uh, I just don't. I'm, I'm not, I, haven't, I haven't been stunned other than that one you mentioned uh, when they went to. Illinois State in the super sexual and lost to normal. That, but I mean, that was five years ago. I know. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. So what time flies? To hit on some of Danny's like specific questions, um, I, I don't think it's offensive schemes are better scouted. Um, as far as the transfers diminishing cohesion, I think maybe a bit of a it that that hasn't been great, especially some of the out of state ones that have been really unsuccessful. Kind of, I think they might have bogged things down a bit, um, and I just don't think they added much. So you got to wonder, you know, what the point was of that. And I mean, I think for last year, there was a lot of talk about, you know, Joe kind of hit on this, you know, maybe a little selfishness crept in. There are rumors that internally the, the team 
kind of didn't respond well to Taylor Horton Tucker winning player of the year. Um, I have no, I don't know if that's true. I haven't even talked to, you know, Robert Smith about it. Um, just watching and not trying to guess what's going on in people's heads. It became clear that last month that Kawan Clements really asserted himself and he went from a pure point guard, which really is what Simeon needs in Robert Smith's system to win. That's when they're at their best is when the point guard is not really shooting. He, when he distributes, cause there's so much ability on that team. They need someone to make it all flow together. And Kawan Clements did a great job of that, you know, for nine tenths of the year, really. And then near the end, he started to score a ton. You know, I don't know if he just couldn't resist or if, you know, and, and he was good. He was an excellent player, but all of a sudden they went from a unit to five guys that could all do their own thing. And it just, Joe mentioned the standing around waiting for THT. It kind of felt, yeah, like they were just standing around each waiting to do their own thing. And it didn't resemble the team we saw early. And that's kind of how it felt to me at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Question two from Danny. He says, uh, did either you or Joe envision Alfonso McKinney's potential when he was playing for Marshall? Have college coaches become more sophisticated when assessing local talent? It seems that you and Joe continue to believe that some Chicago players are systematically and unreasonably overlooked, i.e. Fred Cleveland. Um, I'll say that I in no way uh, envisioned McKinney's potential. No, not not at all. Uh, it, it was funny. I, mean, I, I, just, it's, I just spoke this week with Brian Wordle, who's a head coach at Bradley right now. And before this question even came in, we talked about Alfonso McKinney because he coached him at Wisconsin Green Bay, and I just mentioned about his career. Can you believe this? And and even and he, I said one thing at the time as the evaluator, scout, talking to different college coaches about him is pure upside. It's all about down the road, and that was as, as a high school player. Then in college, this is when Coach War, Brian Wardle mentioned to me in our conversation this week. Same thing when he was in college. He and his staff would sit around and be like, all right, you know, we'll get what we can out of him, and he's going to be good for us, whatever. But, again, even beyond college, I mean, even at that level, they'll say, you know, it's just like with the NBA. They try to find guys that are – but usually by the time they are seniors, it's a little different. That's why they draft all the freshmen and the sophomores in college and why those are usually the higher draft picks because they have so much more room to grow and upside and, and the higher ceiling where the seniors don't and but he was not the norm in that regard because he had such room for growth as a player uh Wardle was brian was telling me during our conversation even in the college so yeah i mean he he just kept climbing and climbing as a player and the absolute epitome of a late bloomer yeah i mean people get better <laughs> you know thank goodness we are not all who we are senior year of high school <laughs> for our whole life not even athletic wise so i mean it's very impressive to see what he's done um you know and we've had a good deal of those kids lately, lately a lot yeah i mean robert covington Come, yeah. um is, is one that comes to mind um uh, yeah there's lockport a- um yeah rashawn holmes. holmes yeah yeah i mean there's been we've had a pretty good run of nondescript high school yeah. prospects who have ended up going to the NBA and some of our higher, you know, ranked hype players, not. Yeah. From not all area, <laughs> your high senior year of high school to the NBA is quite a run. So it's very impressive. Um, as far as, yeah, I mean, I just think college coaches, you know, I whine about it a lot, but man, there's just, and it's not even like, Oh, I have this hidden gem. It's usually like somebody like Terrence Shannon, 
who's like clearly a you know high major college player and is like going all around the city or Lucas Williams. No, no, stop that. Stop there. Terrence Shannon was clearly a mid major in in the second half of the season and had no mid major offers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's what blew my mind. I mean I had questions about him being maybe a high major. You know there were some holes in his game and I, I still think there are. But he's got a year to his credit. He's taken a year to to, to prep school. Yeah, prep school yeah. to really kind of iron out some things and mature physically and, and all of it. But we were sitting at a. What was that? It was a sectional game, Lincoln Park game. Yeah, against, you know, at RB, I mean, yeah. with seven to eight mid-major coaches that I sat with in a little corner, all of us, and I really didn't. I don't know. I thought it was clear as day, but <laughs> I thought, okay, well, it's over with. All these guys are going to be jumped all over him, and there wasn't one offer. There wasn't one that jumped all over him. It, it did not happen until AAU. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it's so weird. And there are some, like, I won't mention his name, but I watched him at Lincoln or in North, at North Lawndale at Collins. And a mid-major coach was there, kind of a, a better mid-major assistant. And he left at halftime because he said that Shannon was too good. He'd never get him. <laughs> so he, he was way ahead of those guys. You know, he, yeah. he didn't think he'd have a chance. Turns out he probably could have had a chance, you know, if he'd have stuck around. But, yeah, there, there seems to be – this is happening regularly where it's not just guys that Joe and I happen to like, which Fred Cleveland you might fall into that notch where I don't think either one of us think he's like – you know, No, he's a, he's a low Division one yeah. player. But – a lot of times when I talk about underrated or under-recruited or overlooked, they may still have Division One interests or offers, Mike, but it's to the level of the pursuit. You know, I look, Fred Cleveland had very – yes, he had two, three schools that were on him. But to me, I, I, I mean, I, I just think if I'm a low Division One school – and there are a boatload of them out there. You know, I, I don't understand why he's not, more, and a lot of other ones aren't more coveted at that level. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no. So, yeah, no. The college coaches are not more sophisticated when assessing local talent. It's um, as bad as it's ever been. All right. Thanks, Danny, for those. Next up is T Dog from Bloomington, who um, is a regular now. He's very excited about the upcoming season in Bloomington. He thinks they're going to be one of the best teams, you know, downstate this year. I guess they picked up two transfers. I'm not aware of this. Uh, Caleb Donaldson and Nate Duckworth, who's a really mm-hmm. good three-point shooter. We all know yeah. about Chris Payton. Donaldson's talented. He is a 6'5". You know, he transferred from uh, Rockton, Hononega. And he's a six oh. foot five, smooth, uh, kind of positionless guy. He can play the one, the two, the three. Uh, long, rangy, he's going to be good. And he's exactly right. Bloomington is going to be one of the top teams, regardless of where they're at in the state of Illinois. Uh, T-Dog asks if either one of us have ever gone downstate to watch a game during the regular season besides Pontiac. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I do at least, you know, some years more than others. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I will, I mean, in fact, that's a nice little gym. I like Bloomington's gym. Uh, good gym. And, uh, yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll make a trek out to, you know, central Illinois. No, I don't go to Southern Illinois unless it's for a big shootout, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll go down to Bloomington normal or out West or go see a random player. You know, that's something I've not been able to do since things changed at the sun times. Um, back when, you know, we had a full staff of people and 30 to 40 stringers out on a Friday night. I was the guy that was, always was jumping on the chance 
to take a long drive and not get paid enough for it uh, because it was fun. Like I, like very early in my career when I was low on the totem pole, I jumped at the chance. I remember to go down to Springfield. Um, it was like a two game shootout at um, U of I Springfield with uh, Shannon Brown and D Brown oh, yeah. and D Brown mm-hmm. playing against McBride. Yeah. And um, Iguodala, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> if you want to pay me, I probably got 60 bucks. <laughs> to go all the way down there and mm-hmm. right against her. But yeah, I was always jumping on that. I liked going out to the quad cities when I could. So I used to get, get to do that, you know, a fair amount during the season, but that has really dried up now that I'm the only person, you know, it just, it doesn't, there's rarely a reason, you know, there's usually something here I have to see is what I'm saying. It's just not worth, you know, usually that travel make me miss another game I could have done here. So it's been unfortunate. Um, the last couple of years I've thought about maybe doing that, but then people I needed to see left, like Okoro. You know, I was going to make a trip to see him if I had to and that kind of stuff. But it didn't wind up. So I probably won't get out again this year. I, I wish I could. Um, all right. T-Dog also says, do we think anyone is capable of winning Mr. Basketball besides EJ Liddell or does he repeat? He thinks there's only one other player that's repeated and it was Jabari Parker. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I don't. I mean – barring some drastic thing that happened, like an injury that knocks him out for part of the season or something like that. I, I mean, he's the best player in Illinois. He's playing on one of the best teams that has a chance to repeat, and he's got, you know, the, the resume already. And I, I just, I mean, if Marquise Jacobs went absolutely nuts and crazy and led uplift to something, you know, beyond what we were imagining, maybe um, somebody like that. But, no, I don't, I don't see anybody even challenging for him. Yeah, it's hard to picture that. I mean, even I think even if he misses ten games <laughs> with an injury, he might still win it. Um, yeah, he's a as big of a favorite as we've had in a while. I think for sure, it is kind of tough to see. Yeah, since Brunson's uh, senior year, I yeah. think. Uh... All right, question three is from Doug Hammer, also a regular. He says, Waukegan and St. Mel are two top area teams going to Quincy. What are the chances for our local favorites who are making the five-hour trip to Quincy? Well, it's a pretty good chance. I mean, Quincy is not I mean, Quincy is not what they've been uh, for, well, a long time. But, uh, yeah, I, I like their chances. I mean, it's a tough place to play. It's a unique place. It's a great place to go see a basketball game. But, you know, I, I mean, Waukegan and St. Mel are probably – I don't – I think there's a team from St. Louis there, Mike. Is that right? St. Louis Christian is there, yes. I can't pretend to know that I know anything about St. Louis Christian. Uh, Quincy did win a regional last year. I, I really don't know how many players they have back from that team. Yeah, this is interesting because these are two teams, you know, Waukegan, we've talked about a lot. And St. Mel is, you know, right there too with loaded with ability. We'll see if they can put it together. They're both taking this trip, you know, this holiday trip, both teams. And so that'll be a big game when they play each other to see who can win that one and get a nice boost. And I think they're two teams that need to win games a lot. You know, that sounds crazy. Everyone needs to win games. But these two teams really need to get wins against good teams because that's not they weren't able to do that last year. So I think whichever one wins that game, you know, the Waukegan versus Providence St. Mel is going to leave Quincy thinking that they're on the right track. So I think that'll be big. And as far as prediction-wise, man, I don't know. At this point, it's too early to uh, be doing that kind of stuff. All right, question four. It's an excellent question, but I don't know who it's from. It's just from R, the letter R. Um, Joe got excited about this one when it came in. All right, R says, in your opinion, would the dominant King teams of the 80s and early 90s be able to replicate their success today? 
Or would the modern run-and-gun, positionless style of play that relies less on dominant big men leave them obsolete? I fell down a rabbit hole reading about how great the King teams were back in the day, and it made me wonder how they would be able to compete in today's climate. If you or Joe are old enough to remember, which King team was better, 1993 or 1990? Lastly, I was unaware that Landon Sonny Cox was an accomplished jazz musician. How times have changed. Yeah. I like that question. I like old school because I'm a big, I think the heyday of my covering and watching and following basketball is late 80s, mid 80s through the mid to late 90s, like a 10, 15 year run where I think it was just at a peak level uh, during my my time frame. Then 1990 King team, I will take that team simply because Jamie Brandon, uh, other than Kevin Garnett, he's the best high school basketball player I've watched. Jamie Brandon was 6'3 guard. And he was dominant. Johnny Selvey was dominant. And Maud Sharif was a great player. Uh, a little biased because I got to, as my, in high school, I went to a top 100 camp. David Kaplan hosted it at that time, a top 100 camper at Lake Forest College. Ahmad Sharif gave me a T-shirt from King. And I and uh, <laughs> so I, I, it was just funny because I kind of followed them and watched them. And then 93, if you remember, were the Richard Griffith, Thomas Hamilton team. Uh, and, and it was a great team, but the thing I remember, Mike, about the two it, it is that the basketball, as we know, every year is different. But that year that King, you know, went in 1990 and, and won a state championship, you know, they had East St. Louis Lincoln with, with Conzo Martin. They, they just had, I just remember that. Yeah. yeah, Klein Schmidt yeah. and Gordon Tech. Yeah. And, and, and the 93 team, it was kind of just a, eh. I mean, the, the the teams that were downstate that year, from Rockford, Guilford, uh, um, Danville, I believe, and Frem. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it was just a, a, they just mauled people, annihilated. I mean, I think the championship game is a forty point game, but Jamie Brandon to me uh, is the difference between those two great King teams. Yeah, I did not see the 1990 team play. I read about them. I saw 93 uh, for sure. And as Joe said, yeah, they just mauled everybody. So I can't make a direct, um, you know, guess on who was better. Michael Herman, you know, who we did not mention, who was, I think he averaged 27 and 10, 10 rebounds for that uh, that team. When I was looking this, I, I also went through some stuff um, when we got the question. And one of the things that I found interesting is uh, King had a player named uh, Gerard Billingsley. Mm-hmm. And he looked like he was pretty good. And, you know, that's not a common name. So I was wondering if uh, he's related to Phillips Jaleel Billingsley at all, the football playing Alabama recruit. The timing is just about right, too, for that. Also, I saw that Darrell Robinson played for Danville. And I w- guessing mm. that that's the coach at Pontiac. Uh, I, nah. That could be. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. But... So, yeah, I wonder about that. All these people kept popping up. But you know what I will do? I see Sonny Cox around fairly often during the season. So we'll get his take. Um... Well, that 90 team, though. I mean, I, <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not sure if I don't know. I think he went to Pitt. I mean, Jamie Brandon was a was one of the best players in the entire country. Johnny Selvey. Some off-court stuff derailed some of these guys. But, um, you know, Fred Schofield. Um, yeah. Yeah. At Simeon now, part of their staff was on that King team. So yeah, I'll I'll take that King team. I think it's one of the best ever in 1990. Yeah, I mean 93 had you know Larry Alloway, uh, the Twin yeah. Towers, Michael Herman. You know they had some players. Dorn, Dorn Stewart was kind of the hidden gem, I think, of that team, the 93 team. Oh yeah, he had 19 in the title game. Okay, yeah. So uh, wow, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, 
me me saying this is just I, I just 93 was great too I mean there's no question um, those were I, and, and as far as today that to answer that question there's no there is no question I mean either one of those king teams are our preseason number one yeah. team here <laughs> yeah I'm not worried about <laughs> those teams compete they would do just fine um, this year I don't I'm not sure the positionless thing has taken. I mean, obviously, bigs have always had trouble in high school. Um, you know, they're just not as evolved. So I think we've always been a little different. You know, than well, in high school level. positionless is not so much this case because you are playing with what you're given, and there aren't any bigs in Illinois. I mean, it's a it's a epidemic yeah. uh, right now in Illinois. Everybody, you know, in the in the, high, in the the basketball world, when I'm out, you know, in the off season, they're like, Joe, what? what's in the water what, what there's no size in illinois and that's been going on here for a while um you know i'm talking like six seven six eight six nine kind of guys but yeah it, it's there's not much size and so i mean they're just everybody's playing with guards yes around the nba positionless positionless college yes but that's by more by design yeah and that's about making shots you know especially in the nba and we don't have people who can make shots in high school <laughs> from all over the court you know yeah. on multiple teams so yeah we, we haven't quite hit that yet um, all right. I also see Johnny Selvey is also around all the time as well. I wonder what he thinks about this. He's um he runs Eckersall Stadium for the CPS. Also does like the scoreboard at Gately a lot. So I see him regular. He's actually a really nice guy. Yeah, was um, he good? He yeah, was so good. Yeah, I, I do so remember. So physical. Yeah. So uh, man. Yeah, he he's a nice fellow. So these people are all you know. I want Tom Kleinschmidt probably has an opinion. But yeah, going through these box scores, it was funny how many of these guys are are still around. All right, so let me get this question thing back up. Uh, da, da, da. All right, oh, Eric Van Drill, a good friend of the podcast, uh, congratulates us on making it to season five. His question, will Wintrust Arena host any additional high school basketball games this winter? Will it host any of the CPS's biggest matchups? If not, what is the rationale? And what are the biggest barriers as far as putting high-profile games like Simeon versus Morgan Park in Wintrust? I'll let you take that one. Well, they have the Chicago Elite Classic. Um, yeah. Robert Smith and Tyron Slaughter have moved it over there. So that's a big addition to interest. And yes, there are going to be other games. I'm trying to um, remember. Last year I was there for the Jesuit Cup, Ignatius Loyola, but I've heard about at least two or three other games this season. I am not. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I think they were Catholic schools. But yeah, I, gosh, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I think there are going to be more high school games this year, not involving the CPS though. So that, that is holding. I have not heard anything about the CPS playing there. Um, that's a story I've been trying to do for a year and a half now. I'm not sure what the rationale is, but it's clear that we thought this thing was going to be aligned with the CPS. I'd seen a contract where they had 27 games, blah, blah, blah. That did not materialize. It turned out that DePaul and their relationship with Catholic schools is what has led to high schools playing in there. So I think that is the barrier. I also believe it's more expensive. They worry about parking. I know Robert Smith and Tyrone Slaughter were talking about that. Um, for the Chicago Elite Classic, that's a bit of a problem there. So it'll be interesting to see how the Elite Classic does. I think it'll do well. Um, I'm not too worried about that as far as a crowd showing up for that. But no, it is not going to be the home of anything for CPS as far as I know. And I'm not sure what the reason is. There's been some speculation that the, the tax money, the TIF money, ended up going towards buying the land and not building the facility. That that was a change that happened kind of the last a last minute thing and that has impacted that contract I saw with the CPS having, you know, dates in there. So that could be the case, but it's something I have not checked on. Um 
And the final question from Jaden Katz wants to know who we think the biggest threat is to Evanston in the CSL South. Yeah, their rival, Nutrier. I mean, yeah, Nutrier, I think. That league was so good last year, Mike, and I think a couple of them are taking a little step back. I think Maine South is going to take a little step back. This will be a very good, solid, competitive team. Niles North from that great team they had last year, I think they're going to take a step back. So that kind of leads Evanston and Nutrier. And obviously a great rivalry, and, and uh, Nutrier has a great size with Brayboy and Bame inside at 6'9". Uh, but, yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest threat to Evanston in that in that league. Yeah, definitely. Nutrier is the biggest threat. I think Maine South is going to be I – mean, they were 22-8 and eight last year, but they have, you know, a lot back. I think they're going to be pretty solid. I think they might be a little bit better than last year because those guards are older, those high-scoring guards, you know, SM Hamwe. Um, I think they should be interesting. I think the team to watch there, a hundred percent. I don't think we talked about it yet. Is Glenbrook South? Yeah, a, they're they're going to be one of the most improved teams. I highlighted them in a, in a story about a month ago, just being one of the most improved teams. Will King, the point guard, is I stay with the improvement uh, part of it. One of the most improved players in Illinois. They've got, I think they got f- five or five of their top six back. I think, and uh, Phil Rawson does a great job. It'll be year two. So, yeah, Glenbrook South is going to be a, a, a pain in somebody's side yeah. uh, uh, this 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 winter for sure. Yeah, they didn't win a game in the league last year. But, man, that team I saw, I saw them at the last game in the playoffs, the game they lost. They were at home, and, and man, they were they were rough. I don't think anybody wanted to play them at that point. So, I, yeah, I, I expect kind of big things from them. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they hit the rankings um, at some point this season. I think they're going to be an interesting team. All right, that is the mailbag. Thanks again, everybody, for sending those questions. It's fun. It gets us into all sorts of weird things. I Googled more about reading old King stories written by Paul Sullivan <laughs> than I ever imagined I would uh, this week. I'm delaying now because I don't want to talk about all state teams. Oh, I just ripped the Band-Aid off. Yeah, I guess we got to do it. Ah. Now, right. You and I always debate all state, our team's. Mike O'Brien is infatuated with the positions, <laughs> and, I, and I get that to a degree, but when I can't find big men, Mike, I play the guards just like high school basketball. So there is a, a shortage of size on my, on my two All-State teams. Mike and I did a first team, five-player team, and a second team. Um, and really? What, what, Mine's kind of big. <laughs> really? Well, all right. Yeah. Not mine. I'm going to take my small guys and roll against yours any day. Go oh. ahead. Okay. First team. Uh, my first team, EJ Liddell. That was easy. <laughs> we got that done. I got yeah. some size. Marquise Jacobs. That was pretty easy, too. Adam Miller. That was pretty easy as well. Um, and I think my, my fourth guy is Chris Payton uh, on my first team. That was easy for me, too. I, I thought he was just stout. You know, he's one. They're up here a lot. Bloomington playing. I saw him a ton. I think I, I think Bloomington had three games in the print newspaper <laughs> last year, which is weird because um, they kept playing up here and they were a Pontiac. So I'm pretty solid with him. And then my fifth spot. Ugh, <laughs> I had so much trouble with this. You know, there were so many local guys. You know, Joe talked about the guards, all these guards that are averaging, you know, just under 20 points. Brian Brown, spectacular numbers, thought about him. But in the end, uh, I, you know, there's nobody averaging a double-double that's back this year, except for maybe EJ Liddell. I, I, I didn't see his numbers. Um, so in the end, I went with Terrence Hargrove from East St. Louis. 
you know, I just oh. I, I couldn't get the nineteen points. Nine point Chicago 6. bias. There's no Chicago bias from O'Brien. <laughs> no, I've got three. <laughs> Jeez, three out of the Chicago area. Yeah, I went. With, I mean, nineteen points and nine point six rebounds a game. There's nobody up here doing that. Um, you know, he's a great athlete. He's put up the numbers consistently. So yeah, so I have three bigs on my team. I went somewhat similar with Liddell, Marquise Jacobs, and Adam Miller, all on my first team. And then I stay with the guard heavy line. I put DJ Stewart on my, uh, you know, my first team. Just, just what he's done in his first two years at Fenwick have been pretty impressive. I mean, he was a leading scorer as a freshman on a team that finished second in the state last year. He put up numbers, obviously, and now he's going to be the, you know, kind of one of the focal points of a of the number one team here in the Chicago area. So DJ Stewart, uh, and then my my fifth one was tough too, but I could not ignore what I think is about to happen. And that's the stardom of Max Christie. I, I just think he is oh, so yeah. far <laughs> above everyone else um, talent-wise. Now, I don't know because of his youth, because of you know his body still developing. He's There's a lot of things that are going into it. But I, I just think he's going to have a massive – I mean, he averaged – 15 16 last year as a freshman i think i'm kind of guessing there but uh i i just think max christie is, is going to have a highlight season for a sophomore and and show everyone why he is who he is and that's being a top 25 player in the country in his class so max christie was my my fifth player on my first team wow joe that was awesome <laughs> that, that really made me happy i uh whoa that's great i, I thought you were gonna say tyler beard to be honest when you gave the intro about it um, wow. Wow. So my, one of my storylines is kind of about that. I, that's exciting to hear. I am. Um, wow. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I, boy, I hope he lives up to that. That would be fun. Um, wow. I, I mean, I'm just saying, Mike, I mean, I mean, I know you don't get out to the, you know, the stuff the, the yeah. off season stuff as much. And, it, you know, and, I, and I, I don't even know how many times you saw Christie play. I know you, one time I think you saw and he didn't have a great game. Yeah, I saw him twice last year, and it, the second time wasn't great. Um, but and I saw him three times during the season, and I, I you know, as a evaluator, I just just raved and gawked about him. I mean, as what he's going to become down the road as a college player. Uh, but then I, I, you see the substance and the numbers and what he did. Now. He is so far – I mean, he's so much better than he was in March. He's so much better than he was in June. Uh, so that that's why. I mean, now, supporting cast-wise, well, you know, that will play a little factor into because he's going to see junk defenses all year long. Um, so that will probably play a little bit of factor into it. But go ahead, start second team. Well, hold on, Joe. This is better than I, – I, I wanted to get Christie's numbers because – I, re- I thought they were really good, better than we thought, because I remember when Kevin Katowicz, the um, Rolling Meadows coach, he nominated him for all area. And I remember when it popped into my inbox and I thought, oh, my goodness, if Rolling Meadows had had a better season, I think he would have made it. This is his numbers last year. 19 points per game, mm-hmm. nine rebounds and four assists. Mm-hmm. that's better. I assembled, because I, I didn't know who to pick for my team. That's better than all these guys I was considering. That's better than DJ. It's much better than DJ Stewart. It's better than Tyler Cochran, points and rebounds. It's better than Marquise Kennedy, points and rebounds. You know, it, it's right yeah, up Yeah, I mean, there's there's more on his plate as for who he is and who he's playing for, I get. But also, he was a freshman. 
And that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, that, that's why he was on my first team. I, I just believe that he, he's the best prospect in Illinois, regardless of class. I mean, that, that's just who he is, what he is. I mean, it, it, I, I do that poll with college coaches. Mm-hmm. I, um, I did it last, sp- uh, last spring before the AU season. So a lot of them hadn't seen Max Christie even play yet. There's no doubt in my mind that Max Christie would be not, uh, probably unanimous uh, at this point right now because everybody watched him over the course of you know April and July that he would be a unanimous unanimous choice among college coaches as the number one prospect in Illinois. Boy, that is great. That is exciting. Boy, the numbers sure back you up, man. I wonder if I'd have seen those numbers when I was huh. all right <laughs> second team. I have Bryant Brown from Waukegan. Um, speaking of numbers, he's a, kind of unmatched in our area. He averaged 21.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, and 1.6 blocks last year, um, which is better than probably anybody on this on any of my teams except for EJ Liddell. Um, Perry Cowan is my number two guy there. He was 18.7 points, six rebounds, three assists, two steals. Joe's talked a lot about how he does a little bit of everything. Uh, DJ Stewart. Um, who, you know, Joe had on the first team. Then I got Fred Cleveland as my fourth guy. You know, he's also, the, the numbers kind of held it up. with tw- He averaged 20.3, seven assists, three steals, uh, 2.7 rebounds, kind of crazy. So the numbers helped get Fred on there. And then I, I ran, once again, this whole team was hard for me to pick, but the fifth spot was a complete nightmare. I'm As we sit here, I still haven't even decided. I'm, I'm staring at three guys <laughs> trying to decide who I'm going with. Well, who are your three? Um, Kawan Clements, kind of out of the really? blue. Yeah, a bit of an out-of-the-blue wow. pick. Yeah. And, I, and he didn't – it sounds like he was hurt, you know, in the summer, mm-hmm. um, spring and summer. But he was spectacular the last month of the season. Showed some ability I didn't – I mean, he outplayed what I even thought he could be. So he's he's there, kind of on potential. Tyler Cochran, um, who I love as a high school player, uh, I think he's a monster. His, he didn't score quite as much as these other guys last year, just 14 points per game, but seven boards per game, which is pretty massive. And then Marquise Kennedy um, was my third, who has all the numbers, and he looks like he should be the pick based on last year's numbers, 17 points, six boards. He should be. Yeah, 3.4 assists. So, yeah, I'll go with Marquise Kennedy. Go with that. All right, good. (laughs) Yeah, no, Marquise Kennedy's on mine as well. Um, To me, he's a no-brainer because of the numbers he put up and another kid who's really improved. I mean, he's a different player than I think he – playing with so much more confidence and uh, that's that's his team this year, Brother Rice, Bobby Frazier, his point guard – uh, ability has continued to to mature and and uh, he's got a burst in him that's that's a little bit different, you know, in, in the open court. And I think he's going to, you know, better those numbers than he had last year. Chris Payton was a no brainer. He, he just missed that first team for me, and he's on the second team for sure. Perry Cowan, uh, another second teamer for me. Uh, I did go Terrence Hargrove, and then I went a little bit different with my 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 fifth one. Uh, I too. Not, before I get my fifth one, I, I think guys that are going to be in that conversation and first and second team, Dejuan Gordon is going to be have a terrific year at Curie, I think, and and, and be in the discussions. Tyler Beard, I think, as well. Uh, Brian Brown goes without saying. Didn't have a very, you know, didn't have that great summer, but uh, number wise, production wise, he there. I'm going with Ray J. Dennis uh, from Oswego East. I. I, I 
you know, here, here's a kid who, who, if you look at his numbers, they were really, really good last year. I think about 16, 17 a game. He had, you know, rebounds and assists. If you look at the numbers, a 20-win team, they got bulk of that team back. They're preseason ranked. He's a player who had zero scholarship offers. Well, Northern Illinois offered him, I think, in late February or March. And then he didn't pick up another one until April and May. And by the time July closed, he had 20-some mid-major offers uh, across the country. So uh, he's another player who is kind of taking his game to another level. He, he's a creator, distributor, as well as a scorer and shooter. And I think those numbers are going to you know, even explode this year even more. So Ray J. Dennis is kind of my sneaky second-team All-State pick. Nice. I'm a little surprised neither one of us had Tyler Beard. He he's right there. I mean, that's what I just said. Tyler Beard. It, basically, my last spot came down to Beard and and um, Ray J. Dennis. And uh, you know, and, and again, I mean, it's I could very easily put Tyler Beard on there. I, I think Tyler Beard is, um, you know, he's a junior and it, it, he's ready. To, I mean, he came on strong at the end of last year. Was instrumental in helping Young get to where they got, and he very well could be a second team all state with no problem. Yeah. All right. Um, now we're going to each hit some storylines. We're watching this season. You want to start it off Joe? Yeah. Mine's uh, my, my, my storyline. You'll love this storyline because this is one of your top five favorite things in all basketball. Pontiac holiday tournament. <laughs> it's not too early to start talking <laughs> Pontiac. And the only reason I am is because it's kind of what we talked about before. Simeon and Curie have been so dominant, uh, and I, I didn't go back and look at the the history of of, of Pontiac, uh, but I gotta believe. When is the last time somebody won other than 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 those two? Do you know? Do you remember? Um, All right, I'm trying to pull it up now, but yeah, my my point I'm is this is not. I mean, I, I've got Simeon's a top top team in Illinois, one of the top teams in Illinois, but this is this is a team. That that no one should be like, oh gosh, we're gonna play Simeon. Uh, if you're a really, really, really good team, because they're beautiful. They they, they are. They, it's gonna take a lot for them to get to the level they've played at in past years. 2009, Waukegan. Whoa, it's longer than I thought. Yeah. For real. Wow. So I, I, the reason I bring it up is, you know, I do my preseason rankings, Mike, and they'll be up here very soon, and. Simeon is four. Bloom is six. Curie is eight. Bennett is nine. Oak Park is 12. Nutrier is 21. And Bloomington would be top 10 if they're in the Chicago area. And so they're a state ranked team. So, I mean, you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams that would be ranked extremely high and that doesn't even go and take into account a decent St. Charles North team, a decent West Aurora team, a decent Plainfield North team, an improved Lockport, an improved Joliet West. Whoever gets out of Pontiac this year at Christmas to me is really going to, you're going to have to win an unbelievably hard fought, tough second round game. And, and then go and then go and win those always, always strong semifinal championship game in that compact three days. So if you and again, I, I, I'm I'm saying this is the year somebody other than Simeon and Curie can get out of Pontiac with four wins 
And boy, is that a springboard to the second half of the season. So I'm going to keep an eye on what happens at Pontiac because of the nucleus of, of talented teams there and what's at stake, meaning it's wide open. Simeon and Curie are beatable. Yeah, it's even Pontiac is going to be better than right. usual. Yeah, right. They got a, a, their star is back. Yeah, yeah. Simeon's won six of the last eight. Yeah, so I, I just think that's a great, unique opportunity for someone to get out of the best holiday tournament and there's no argument that that's the best, with a title and what that could do. I mean, you imagine walking out, of, coming into the new year. We haven't seen it since Waukegan in 2009. Let's say a Bennett or let's say an Oak Park uh, puts it together and wins four games down in Pontiac. What that would do for their second half run, uh, I, I just think it's a, it's a great opportunity for one of these top teams to to, to use it, as, as I said before, a springboard into that second half of the season. Yeah, that is fun in it. It was also strange looking at these teams. There's so many good teams, but there's not really a star. Mm-hmm. You know, even each of the teams don't really have that. You know, Dewan Gordon signed with Kansas State. You know, Bray Boy and Harvard. You know, Bloom's too young. Uh, Simeon's too young. Well, you know, Reeves and Quinn But there isn't like there aren't superstars. No, I mean Chris Payton is probably the biggest, yeah, highest ranked, and Dejuan Gordon. I mean, uh, but Gordon is still. You know, you go the, the high ceiling, waiting it's for it to happen. Potential, yeah. You know, and, uh, and and it could. I mean, he he blossomed. You know, but he, you know, he put up modest numbers, 10, 11 of the game last year. So it's not like he's, uh, you know, this established high profile score guy. And, and 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 it could develop. I think he's gonna have a great year. But uh, you're exactly right. I mean, Deshaun Enoch. I mean, Oak Park's kind of balanced. I, you know, Bray Boy is a big man. So it's it's going to be. You know, a, a, it's always unbelievably fun down there. That's going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> this year in particular, I mean, and again, these are preseason rankings. Maybe a couple of these teams will fall on their face here in the first two weeks of the season. Uh, I don't anticipate that happening, but I, I just think it's going to be a different feel upon it. I mean, I think every year we go down there, and, and Mike, you're there all three days and watch every game, and I'm down there a big chunk of, of the time. But I, you're always kind of – we're not hoping for upsets, but it's just part of the unique feel. Like you, you can feel the Pontiac crowd getting behind sometimes that the underdog, and and you just kind of yeah, it's close, but you know, no cigar. And, and you just kind of expect Curie or Simeon to get out of there. And um, this year, it'll be interesting to see when, when we talk holiday tournament previews. If between now and then, if you and I are like, okay, we're gonna pick. There's a favorite. Someone, yeah. someone other than Simeon or Curie to win that thing. Because, I mean, I, I can't remember if I've ever picked anybody other than those two to win it. I'm sure I picked Juliet West two years ago. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, my my storyline, you know, I, I guess I'll preface this with my storyline is about the underclassmen, but I think it's going to be interesting all season. We don't even know who the best senior is really in the area. Marquise Jacobs is given that title now, but the season needs to play out. So we have to watch that. But what I'm really kind of a little bit more interested in is the underclassmen in the whole state. Who's next? You know, we know EJ Liddell is the state's definitive star attraction right now. So my big question is who is going to take that role? You know, it sounds like Joe is on board. He thinks Max Christie's going to step up and be that guy. You know, there are plenty of other contenders, you know, Adam Miller, I think is a kid who could definitely do that. Maybe it'll be DJ Stewart or Tyler Beard, you know, a junior, somebody older than Christie. But I feel like 
right now that that's really wide open that I don't know who is going to be the next star. And I'm hoping, you know, middle of the year that starts to, you know, kind of like remember when John Shire was at sophomore year at the Hillcrest shootout, you know, kind of had his big coming out party. You know, I, I want something like that. I want a big moment like that from one of the underclassmen to really establish themselves. Yeah. I mean, Chris is that guy. I'm like, I mean, I, 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 there's just no doubt about it. Now I'll add to that and say, make it plural. And instead of the star, like who's the next guy, who are the next group of guys, next stars. And you know, whether it be a, a mod Bynum, you know, black cat at Simeon. I mean, Anthony sales in Notre Dame, you know, he had a phenomenal freshman season. And then there's some guys that's kind of coming along like Isaiah Barnes at Oak park and, and you mentioned Adam Miller. I think he's. I think he's there. I mean, and that's you. You just led into my next, my next storyline, and it, it, it is who are the group of. There's a bunch of teams that are ranked that have the. You know, the the, the door is open for them to kind of carry their teams, and you know, I'll just go through some of these guys I was talking about. You know, Max Christie is one. Now they're not going to be ranked all year all year i mean, I mean well I, yeah I guess they're, they're just not ready that's the problem though i guess to get in who is the, i looked at their schedule last week who are they going to play that he could even make a statement yeah no i mean i, I mean it's going to be they're building i mean i think they're gonna be very good next year uh you know not this year but the following year uh but i mean you, we, we've seen it before i mean that he is in a different situation than Jalen Brunson, then John, even John Shire. I mean, to that they the, the supporting cast is not quite there um, at their early years. Yeah. But my my thing is my my point is is what young not not just young players, what individual players are going to really just take their teams and carry them? Uh, and I don't know. I don't know how good rolling metal because we got to see how much he is capable of doing for that team i mean when you have one of the best elite players in the state of illinois you're going to put a little scare into some teams at some point but you know can how far can he carry and i I go down the line brother rice is in your preseason top 25 uh you know there are i think i my massive rankings i have them 32 or just outside the top 25 but i mean that's solely because of marquise kennedy you know, I mean, yeah. they lost a lot of players last year. Uh, Hagen's back. He was a sophomore last year, played a small role. He'll, he'll be a junior this year, and he'll, he'll, he'll be instrumental in, in, in getting them in your and staying in your top 25. But Marquise Kennedy is a player that's going to have to carry the load for his team. If Oswego East, yes, they got a nice group back. But if Oswego East is going to be a legitimate uh, top 25 team all year long, and advance deep into March, what's going to have to happen? I mean, Ray J. Dennis is going to have to be that guy. And uh, it's the same thing with uh, – I can even go to Uplift. If Uplift is going to be a serious player in the public league and not just a fringe top 25 team that hangs around and makes the semis at Proviso. And, no, I, I'm talking about go win a Proviso tournament, maybe get to the semis in the city or maybe a championship game. Uh What's going to have to happen? Marquise Jack- Jacobs is going to have to play at this elite, consistent level. And, you know, again, it comes down to these individual guys on some teams and the makeup of their teams. Even Morgan Park, Mike, I mean, th- this is not a super deep Morgan Park team. They've got some great talent. They're a top five team. 
But, you know, you get past Adam Miller. Yeah, Marcus, you know, Watson's very good and Chris Roberts is good. And, but, I mean, Adam Miller has a chance now with I.O. gone to kind of become the guy. Uh, so it kind of piggy, piggybacks off what, what you were saying. But there's just a lot of individual players who are going to be very responsible for how high of a level that those individual teams um, reach this year. My uh, second one, I guess the way to put it is, <laughs> Evanston and Bloom are two teams you know me watching very closely, and I think they're they have high hopes for this season, both teams, but they're both v- young. Bloom is juniors, Evanston has a lot of sophomores, and I'm wondering if either one of those teams are going to be able to take that step. You know, Evanston is preseason number two for me probably higher than most people have them, but can either one become a suburban preseason number one for next year? Because that has become incredibly rare over the last two decades. You know, I was going back just through my number ones, um, non-public league number one teams. I I think I've only had three Stevenson Hillcrest and Glenbrook North, you know, that's in 17 or 18 years. And in the past, you know, before my time, West Aurora and Proviso East had been in there. But it's a rare thing. You know, there have been a lot of CPS teams that have grabbed it. From Orr to Curie, Westinghouse, Simeon a bunch of times, Young a bunch of times, North Lawndale, Morgan Park. You know, Von Steuben has had it. But we haven't had one since 2014. You know, that was Stevenson with Jalen like Brunson. I, I'd like to know how many teams have, not forget preseason, have, have elevated to number one during the course of the season even. Oh, yeah. Boy, a handful tops, I would guess. Not many. So, yeah, so I'm wondering if if we're gonna, if Evanston and Bloom can, you know, live up to their hype and to not even just this season, but if, if either one of them will drop the gauntlet during this season and next spring and summer to be the team, you know, the guy next year when we're sitting here in 2019 and doing this podcast and it's Evanston or Bloom at number one. That's what I want to see because I thought Waukegan, it sounds crazy, but you know, I thought Waukegan had a chance at that. There clearly aren't going to be that. And it's tough to see a team after next year that could be that, you know, even looking ahead, you know, you know who the best sophomore that, you know, is Max Christie going to ever be able to do the Rolling Meadows seems, you know, unlikely. So I feel like these are two teams with really good shots at that next year. So I'm going to be watching to see if they can do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, if we're, for, we're we're forecasting this season, we're now forecasting next twelve <laughs> yeah. months from now, and you look at Young with Stewart, Tyler Beard, Grant Newell coming, it'd be very hard for me to think that they would not be. You know, we'll see, but I don't think Evanston. I think Bloom has an outside chance of being a preseason number one. I don't think Evanston does um, next year at all. But um, I, I just. That's a very good point that we don't talk much about is that elite suburban team because um, they're they've been far and few between really. Yeah, well, I left out. Did I mention Waukegan? Yeah, no, I don't. I think I left them out. Yeah, Waukegan is another one. A few years back, you know, with Richmond, so there've been like four in the last fifteen or sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Well, look, any Thanksgiving tournaments that. That um, you, you you think, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I want to say that, Mike. I mean, do not, including you. I'm telling you, <laughs> and everyone, not just you, and me. 
you have to take the first week of the season. I always say this every year and not get too alarmed or persuaded by the outcomes and results because we always see like, Oh wow. How'd this team lose this team or how that Thanksgiving's weird. It's just a weird, there's some weird matchups and some weird gyms at some weird days and times and, and empty gyms sometimes. I, I just think that sometimes we get a little, I don't know. You mean uh, my love for Waukegan last year? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good example. But yeah. you know what I mean? I, it, there's just, uh, they, they have, they, it's the only form of basketball where they don't have exhibition games or preseason games. I mean, he, I mean even college has them now. And the amount of time they've, now I know they're working out more than ever before and they're playing in the summer more than ever before. But the, the bottom line is, the amount of days they have to practice before their first game, I mean, a lot of them don't practice on Sundays. So you're talking six days, Monday through Saturday, and then another six to, I mean, 12 days of practice is what you're looking at before that first game. And, you know, I, I just, I, I think Thanksgiving's sloppy. I think it, it can be very ugly. And,. Well, I'm really pumping up. The, yeah, I was going to say, Joe, I'm really excited uh, about tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. just stop no, this. I just, yeah. I don't want us a week from now just to be, be like, oh my gosh, this team. Kenwood is <laughs> unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this team went two and two. We had them ranked. Give me a break. You know, I, I just, just, I'm just giving a little, uh, little careful tone going into the, to the week. But uh, there, there are some fun, intriguing matchups, though. I'm going to get way too high and way too low about everybody, and I don't care. <laughs> so I'll talk you back down. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I mean, mean, I mean, Blue Marion Catholic tournament is always one of the best, you know, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, right off the bat. I was talking, I mean, Vocational's an interesting team. They're playing down there, Mike. And yeah. uh, I talked to Donnie Kirksey this week, and he's excited. He thinks he has talent, but he still doesn't know where they're at. You know, I. I you know, he's asking me about Bloom. Well, guess what? Okay. Yeah, they're going to find out real quick. They got right. Bloom tomorrow, or Bloom on Monday, and they have Hillcrest well, on Tuesday. People are listening to this podcast. Yeah. Might, I mean, uh, well, I don't know when we get this out, Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but, but I mean, you got HF down there, Marion Catholic, Hillcrest, Bloom. I mean, that and vocational, that that's it's probably the best that, that we got out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Monday's kind of marquee matchup is St. Rita Kenwood. I'll be at that one. That should be fun. Uh, Joe, men- well, we mentioned Hillcrest Thornwood, Vocational Bloom, TF South, HF. You know, that's a lot of stuff going on in Chicago Heights. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's about it for Monday. Tuesday, there's really no marquee matchup. I haven't decided where I'm going. There's some in- really interesting games, though. Uh, TF South, Marion Catholic, uh, Thornwood Bloom, Vocational Hillcrest. That's all in Chicago Heights. And then I, I kind of like this Plainfield North, Main South game. At Lions should be interesting. And then Glenbrook South, Zion Benton. We have not talked much about Amar Aguilard, who's, you know, one of the star sophomores. We just talked a little about Glenbrook South. So Tuesday's got some fun games. Not sure where I'm going to wind up. And then Wednesday's a monster. Yeah, but, I mean, Wednesday's when it heats up at Blue Mary Catholic. Hillcrest and Bloom. Hillcrest and Marion Catholic yeah. and HF. I mean, yeah. that's awesome. And HF Marion Catholic's one of those games. That was one of the my favorite of the year. So I, I almost always go to that one. But Hillcrest, Bloom. Is pretty enticing, but then up north, this is not just you got New Trier at Loyola. Yeah, and um, then if football wasn't such a factor, DePaul Notre Dame would have been awesome. Oh yeah, but, yeah. 
but I mean, uh, with Notre Dame, with the extended run of football they had. Yeah, it's also Wednesday's also got um, Plainfield East Willowbrook is a nice game. Um, Oswego West Aurora, Oswego East Naperville North. So those are two decent games in Oswego. If you're out that way, Bennett at Fenwick is another one that should be good. So Hillcrest is, lo- or sorry, so Wednesday's loaded. And then Friday and Saturday, I've not gone in depth on because I'm not going to be able to watch anything, but we, I'll be in Champaign with the stupid football. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad, oh man. Sorry, anybody uh, coming out to the high school fr- football. Friday, but. I think, you know, out of RB is going to be good. Ken Woods playing, uh, kind of an under, under the radar Wheat North team. Yeah. And then Riverside Brookfield, who had a really good summer. Riverside Brookfield is going to be very good. They, they have a, boatload of they don't have the division one guys but they got a boatload of small college guys they're all going to play small college basketball and they take on oak park in the last game on that friday night that's going to be a good one and then you know bogan's going to get a test out at rock island they go to rock island play at rock island rock island led by jameer price who who just signed with um bradley so you know that'll be a good game a good test for for them and St. Charles East is not quite what it's been in recent years. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I'm interested to see Proviso East. We haven't talked about them at all. You know, they were kind of under the radar and quiet last year. Um, just kind of what they what they got going. Yeah, that St. Joe's Willowbrook game at St. Charles East on Friday should be pretty good. Um, St. Joe's another team. I got no clue what what you know. They lost five starters. Reggie Strong, man. Strong is, is, <laughs> yeah. is there now, so. That's about it. But, yeah. All right, so we are we are ready to roll. It is exciting. I'm very excited. It's going to stink missing the Friday and Saturday stuff. Oh, we should also mention at that tennis center on the south side is the shoe company thing with Young and Hillcrest and – who am I forgetting? Morgan Park. They're all going to debut on Saturday um, at the XS Tennis Center, I think it's called in a big event. They're all three against out-of-state teams. It's like last year. I don't think there's any bull-bull, though. Sorry. And also Saturday, St. Viator-Evanston uh, would be a terrific oh, yes. Saturday. That's when I'll be. I'll be in the press box at um, in Champaign-Urbana trying to stream that thing <laughs> somehow. I believe I did the same thing last year. So, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will be back next week. Mm-hmm.